Welcome to episode 31 of the Truth and Dare podcast. Today, we are connecting with online educator and podcast host, Melissa Griffin. Before we dive into who this woman is, let me forewarn you, I have quite the girl crush on her. Melissa has inspired my personal journey, taught me many lessons, and gifted me the confidence through her teachings to pursue my purpose as an online yoga teacher. If it wasn't for her, I would still be in my cube, daydreaming with Carly about how to escape and not living my truth and daring to change. So who is this girl boss anyway? Melissa is a determined entrepreneur who within four years grew her website into a multi-million dollar company and now helps entrepreneurs start and grow their own businesses to create a life of freedom and creativity. With a community of over 200,000 business owners and self-development junkies, she's a leading voice in the online business space. Melissa also hosts the Pursuit with Purpose podcast, which covers topics like meditation, relationships, and mindset in order to help her community reach their full potential in all areas of their lives. Are you starting to understand where the girl crush comes from? Well, don't worry. Today's conversation will lead you there as we dive into how Melissa transitioned from a teacher to an online leader, the emotions and experiences that came along with her incredible success, how she protects her self-worth and creates boundaries to maintain happiness and peace while staying connected to her creativity and giving back to the world through her community. Whether you are in the online space or not, Melissa drops so many truth bombs to help guide your path through her intentional choice of words, her personal practices to stay focused on what matters, and opening up about spiritual coaches, self-care practices, and most importantly, loving on her corgi. We hope you love this conversation as much as we loved having it and gained the clarity that we did through listening in to Melissa's story. But before we dive into this week's conversation, we first want to share our review of the week, which comes from Corky in a Bottle. She says, feeling connected. As someone who had already started her spiritual journey solo, I was having a really hard time feeling connected to basically everyone around me. I'm from a small farm town in a city that is bogged down with negativity, unmotivated people, and unfortunately, a lot of bad distractions think drugs, alcohol, food, keeping me from the beauty of life. As I became more aware and mindful of my body and the impact I had on this earth, it's a struggle to feel like I belong. But after finding the Tad podcast, my heart was so filled knowing I'm not alone in these ideas. And through your message, my discoveries can continue. This podcast keeps it real and has been a great addition to my progress. So much appreciation for both of you. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Corky in a Bottle. Remember, if you want your words read over the airwaves, head over to iTunes, click that button, drop us a love note, and hopefully we choose you next week. Also, we know you are going to love Melissa as much as we do. So head on over to truthanddaremovement.com where you can learn more about her in today's show notes as well as read all of the blog posts, tools, resources, and everything else that we share. 
You can sign up for our weekly newsletter here too, where you'll receive a journal prompt to help you dive deeper into each conscious conversation. Now let's get started. Welcome Melissa to the podcast and learn about why this woman is my girl crush. Welcome to Truth and Dare, a podcast dedicated to female empowerment through living our truth and daring to change. Hi, I'm Carly Talbot. And I'm Allie Van Fossen. Okay, so I'm going to kick this off here with my slug in the honey. Um, For me right now, uh, Allie and I are supposed to be doing this self-care um, experiment project week, two weeks of self-care. And I am trying, but I'm only at like a 50% capacity of trying. I'll do like maybe one thing for 20 minutes and that's about it. So I don't know. I just think I could be trying harder to devote some more time to myself throughout my day and to really give it my all instead of, um, just taking a run and feeling like that was, good enough. And I mean, running is great. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that I know I could go a little deeper and I'm keeping things a little bit surface. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's where I'm at. What about you, Melissa? What's going on in your life? I am just looking at my email inbox. It's Monday morning and feeling kind of overwhelmed already. I feel like I'm just, I suck at email and there's always emails that are from like three months ago that I need to respond to. So that's like a continuing thing that I feel is my slug in the honey that I need to work on for sure. Nice. Well, Allie here, my slug in the honey is that Right now, I feel like I am definitely talking the talk, but I'm not walking the walk. I preach and teach that you should practice self-care and get on your yoga mat and create all these healthy boundaries and rituals. And I've been binge watching um, Frankie and Grace on Netflix, and there's no boundaries and there's no rituals going down. And I'm just kind of wading through the honey of self, like fraudy feelings and like challenging my self-worth of should I be teaching people X, Y, Z? So I'm just waiting in the honey of, um, yeah, that. Talking the talk and not walking the walk. But thanks so much for sharing, Mel. Let's get started. I want to ask you for for Melissa's own sake, I should tell you, you are a big inspiration in my life and I talk so highly of you to Carly. So I'm so happy you're here and talking with us. But I want to know, what or who lit your fire to becoming your own boss? Was there a specific person or moment that ignited this entrepreneurial spirit? Um, yeah, tell us kind of where that all began. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with both of you. Um, I started my blog almost five years ago now. And when I started it, it was very much like a creativity self-development DIY project kind of all over the place blog, but it was really rooted in wanting to be more creative and help other people do that too. So at that time I was following a lot of blogs like A Beautiful Mess and the girls who run A Beautiful Mess have have always been inspiring to me. I think that was kind of the first time when I saw their blog, which is about recipes, DIY projects, and just total creativity. I felt like, wow, this is an actual job. Like they seem like they're doing really well and they're making money from doing this. And they have these amazing blog posts that they're doing. They're hiring people. 
And it kind of felt like the dream to me. So in the beginning, they were definitely some of my biggest inspirations, just seeing how they can create something so magical and turn it into a full-time job. That's cool. I know that blog and um, it's awesome that they were sort of there for you in the beginning. So it sounds like from what I know about you and from what Ali's told me about you and that you gained a lot of momentum in this world, um, in this internet world in a very short amount of time. Um, I know that um, how you started and where you ended up um, weren't exactly in the same space, but what was it like for you to um, be in that space where you just basically shot forward in such a quick amount of time? And I know you reached six figures of income at one point and um, you achieved financial freedom from your blog. And it just seems like you were on a roller coaster speeding down And so, God, what was it like? What was it like for you to move so quickly, um, be able to make money from what you were doing and uh, sort of ride the ride so fast? Hmm. Interesting question. So I, I will say like, I, I never felt that way about what I was doing. It always felt like there could be something more that I could be doing, or there could be kind of the next phase. So it, it never quite felt like, oh my gosh, now things have totally taken off. Um, I feel like I've always thought like there's a next step somewhere, but I, I definitely do see like in the past couple of years that things have grown a lot, our audience has grown. So I think I've seen these metrics of like, oh, we're making more money now, or we have a, a bigger audience now, um, or more comments or things like that. And it's definitely been like an amazing feeling just to know that there are people out there that to care about what I'm putting out there. I think that's something that regardless of where you're at with your business or what you're teaching, there's always this element of like, am I actually helping people or do I actually know what I'm talking about? Even if you've been talking about it for years and, and you really do, but I think no matter where you're at, there's these belief systems that we have where we just think like we're not worthy of, of doing what we do. And Um, so I think getting a little bit of momentum there and and seeing that people are resonating with it is just so helpful for you to feel like, like maybe you are making an impact and then helping you to, to do that even more down the line, um, and feel confident about it. But yeah, I guess (laughs) I wonder if there are people out there who are like, yes, I finally made it or like, yes, I've arrived. Cause I don't know that I'll ever feel that way. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know in a few years. Well, and in the past five years, because I followed your story so closely, I know you made, I think, cards at one point on Etsy, and then you were doing one-on-one graphic design, and then you started making courses, and now you have a monthly subscription program, and you have a mastermind coming out. You know, how – and you've also reached a really, in my eyes, and Carly's too, this really elevated space of success. And I know I've read your income reports and I don't think success is defined by those metrics, but what is it like to be your age and have generated so much income and such a strong following? You know, were there any times where it would lift you up so high with confidence, but then like slam you back down on the ground in the process of riding that wave and that, that ride that Carly was talking about? Cause I know I'm going through it right now with my course launch and I just have to imagine that, especially with where you're at in your life at such a young age, you know, what, what were some of those like ups and downs? And if you have any moments that you want to share with us 
to help teach us, we would love to hear about them. Yeah. Oh, there's so many layers to it. Um, it's a, a both at both times, like an amazing blessing and then also kind of a challenge in its own right. Um, there was definitely a time throughout 2016 when my business really started to grow. Um, the metrics, if we're just going by a metric standpoint, really showed that we were growing a lot and hitting these different numbers that I felt were were really big um, things to hit at the time. And uh, so at that time, I felt like I kind of lost sight of the goal, the mission of why I started my business. Before it was about creativity, about helping people, about personal development. And all of a sudden it became about competition and comparison and wanting to maintain and elevate that status that we had hit with the business. And I felt like I was just losing why we started it and and who we were really helping. So for almost the whole year, I really just got caught up in like, I want to buy really nice, expensive things. And um, I want to make more money for no particular reason, but just because I wanted to be able to hit these different levels of income is almost like this metric to myself that I'm worth something. And eventually I started to realize what was happening and that I was really getting caught up in this competitive rat race mentality versus um, getting back to that purpose of why I started everything in the first place, which is really just to create community and and um, help people be more creative and become their best self. So when I realized that, I started to make a lot of different shifts in my life in terms of how I spent money, uh, not just buying like random stuff just because I could. And um, and getting back to that mentality of of why we started it and helping people and how can we create community and how can we give back and donate more money and things like that. So I definitely went through that period where I kind of lost myself in the rat race and then was able to find myself again. And I think, especially if you are earning a decent amount of money at a young age, it can be kind of because you're kind of still finding yourself in general. So it's like easier to lose who you are, lose that sense of identity, um, to think that this achievement is your entire self-worth. And if that goes away, then so does all of your confidence or the love that you have for yourself. So that was something that I was conscious of at that time and definitely something that I've worked through um, now and still working through. Um, And then also just like another layer with that is that most of my friends are not, I mean, I have plenty of amazing friends in the online entrepreneur space, but my oldest friends that I hang out with more regularly are people that I met in college, people who work in corporate jobs and people who largely don't have their own businesses. So it's been um, an interesting experience there. Definitely something where I see some of my friends starting their own businesses because they're like, wow, she did it. And maybe I can too. And that makes me so happy to see them do that. But then also something where I kind of feel like there's a sense of myself that I hide from a lot of my closest friends because I don't want to show off and I don't want to um, make anyone else feel uncomfortable about what I've done with my business. So it's almost like uh, wanting to share this really special, important part of my life and not knowing exactly how to do it with people who aren't in this world themselves. So uh, maybe that will change in the future. Who knows? But definitely some things that I'm kind of working through and thinking about in terms of just growing my business and what that means for my life and the people in it. Yeah. You just said so much right there. I mean, first of all, 
I think Ali and I have been doing a lot of work and research in this um, guilt complex that a lot of women carry around. And I think it, guilt in your sense can come from this feeling of not wanting to share about uh, money or making other people feel uncomfortable. And it translates into so many other spheres of our lives. Like if we're successful at work, are we going to drop the ball at home? And if we're making a lot of money, is it going to make our friends or um, our loved ones feel uncomfortable? And it's so um, interesting to think about a man in the same space. Like would a man in that space carry that same guilt is it embedded in us culturally because we're women, um, because of how we grew up and thought we were supposed to be in the sphere of life? Um, whereas a man, I think, parades around with this flag of pride. Look at how much money I make. I don't care if I'm bigger than you and you're smaller than me. And this isn't to go on a feminist rant, but it's just so interesting because I see this guilt complex come up in so many women um, that we talk to. I know I deal with it in a different way. I know Allie deals with it in, in a different way. So I just want to break through that um, that feeling. And I, I want all of us to break through that feeling, but it's so complex and so deep in all of us. But um you said you were at a point where you were comparing, um, you were getting caught up in the competition and the comparison, um, which is nearly impossible not to do. But were there any specific practices that helped pull you out of that dark place, out of that place of disconnectment um, when you were feeling misaligned um, to bring you sort of to this new, this lighter space that you're in now? And would you mind sharing them with us? Yeah, of course. So the biggest thing that I did, the one of the first things was I started to think like, okay, I've been spending money on things that I don't need to spend money on. And I've been caught up in this idea of competing and comparing myself to other people. What's the opposite of that? What could I do that would be drastically different than this kind of mentality that I've been putting myself in? And the thing that I came to, the conclusion I came to was to focus more on how I can give to other people. And so we organized a fundraiser for the beginning of 2017. So the following year. And, um, so we raised money for a charity and that ended up doing really well and really sparked in me this new passion for being able to give without worrying about receiving something in return. And, um, to not focus so much on the money, but to focus on the people that were able to help. So that was something that really helped. And I think giving, by the way, I think anybody can do it regardless of where you're at in your business. You don't need to be earning a certain amount of money. You don't even need to have your own business. You can organize a fundraiser, volunteer, do any type of thing, um, regardless of how much money you have to help other people. Um, so that helped. And then for me personally, that was kind of more on the business side of things, but I knew that I needed to heal and work on myself too when I was in this space. So some of the things that I did were hiring kind of spiritual coaches. I want to say they were like half therapist, half spiritual guide. Um, and, and I still work with them and having those people to, to talk to and, um, just work through some of these things has been really helpful. And then creating some daily rituals for myself, like meditating every day. I think just having that place of calm and um, coming back to yourself every day is so important. And then journaling. So 
I either journal or I write gratitude or I write acknowledgments. Um, this is something one of my coaches suggested acknowledgments of things that you've done or, or things about who you are that you've appreciated in the past day. So it's kind of this, this way to build up that self-love muscle and start to notice those things that you actually kick ass at and are amazing at. Um, so doing some form of, of writing or journaling every day as well. Um, and then just also exercising and eating healthier. Like those things seem so simple that in the past I've just kind of been like, well, I ate healthy yesterday or like I exercised last week, so maybe I'm fine. Um, but I think they're so important for getting back to this, this more clear mental space where you're not like succumbing to these thoughts that maybe aren't you. There may be like the societal kind of thoughts that you can get trapped in. Um, but I think when you exercise and you eat healthy, it kind of clears that away and helps you get back to who you are, especially when you combine it with journaling and meditation. So all of that together has been just hugely helpful for my own growth. And then just wanting to, to learn more and learn more about personal development, spirituality, all of that has helped me really just ground myself and, um, not get back to that place where I felt like I kind of lost who I was for a while. You basically just outlined the pillars of what our podcast is all about in that one <laughs> response. And, um, I know you really struck a chord with Carly because she has her master's in nonprofit work and has only really worked at nonprofits. And for our sailing trip, she really wants to help build this humanitarian aspect into it. Of course, now with all of the hurricanes, we have plenty of volunteering opportunities once we get on the boat. So we will definitely be kind of diving into that, giving back and showing up and helping people. Um, but amazing. A few things I want to just touch on that you said, which is, you know, the whole thing that you do, which is your, we just read Option B by Sheryl Sandberg, really great book. And she talks about how in the morning she does her gratitude list and in the evening she does what she contributed to society and to herself. So she does mm. two lists and you made me think of that. And then also with the exercising, I was just listening to another podcast where they said high performers, like statistically work out five days a week. It's such a ritual, the whole exercise and just getting into that clarity of mindset. And I know mm -hmm. for me too, and Carly too, and anyone who's listening, when we move our bodies in that type of way, you really don't have time to think about anything else. If you're getting your butt kicked in a yoga class or a spin class, yeah. or you're running five miles, like all of that mental clutter just melts away and you can really find some clarity in those moments. So Right. I would love exactly. to know, yeah, out of my own selfishness, what is it like to work with a spiritual business coach? I mean, are you meeting with them weekly? Is it monthly? What are some big breakthroughs that these people have helped you work through? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm interested out of my own selfish interest. Sure. Yeah. So the biggest distinction is that they aren't business coaches. They're more like therapists and um, one of them might not even know that I have my own business. So, um, and the only, the other one does only because she's in this kind of business space too, but they're very much more spiritual coaches. And I meet with them kind of irregularly, maybe once every two weeks. Uh, I've, I've done once a week before kind of like started with once a week initially. And then as I've kind of gotten a grasp of things and felt a little more like I could 
um, do things on my own for a while. It's spread out a little bit more. So maybe once every two weeks, three weeks, I've been doing that. And what we do, it's uh, it's so interesting to describe or like hard to describe. So for one of them, um, my coach is named Suzanne and she she's amazing. And she basically will help you. It's over the phone and um, she helps you ground your energy, like feel your feet uh, kind of anchoring into the dirt and really being part of the ground. And then the head, like your head, the top of your body really shooting into the sky and just feeling this connection to the universe and really putting you in a mental space of just being grounded in, in the world. Um, and then she kind of takes you through some exercises to, um, almost see what's coming up for you and to help you use your intuition to kind of guide you through what's coming up for you. It's hard to to describe or like verbalize, but what ends up happening for me is that um, like I've done regular talk therapy before where you go to a therapist and you talk about your issues or your childhood, I've done tons of that. And it's been helpful. But what I like about working with these spiritual coaches is that it's more based in um, intuition and in surrendering to what happens in your life versus trying to control what happens in your life. Um, and And it's based in just this concept of like there's only love in the world. And those things all resonate so much with me and my own personal beliefs that I feel like I've been getting even more out of it than I do from from normal talk therapy. Not to say that it's not hugely helpful also, but um, so helping me kind of uh, work on those things, surrendering, loving, and my intuition in a space where I can talk about um, the things that are triggering me or coming up for me if that makes any sense at all. (laughs) That makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think so much um, of your, of where you are now and how you've been able to come from this place of um, disconnection into this place of growth has so much to do with letting go of control. And so the idea of surrendering to what is instead of manipulating the outcome I mean, that's the hardest thing in the world for any of us to do. And on that note and on that idea of surrender, you are a business owner, right? So to a certain extent, things do matter. The numbers do matter. Making money does matter. So how do you protect yourself from not putting all of your self-worth into that place? And I know you're working with coaches, but has it been hard to disconnect from that and just say, what will be, will be. I mean, surrendering is so much easier said than done. I mean, shit, I've like written things on post-its, burned them in jars. Like I've had so many (laughs) surrendering ceremonies and, and still it's hard to release the attachment of the outcome. So how do you, um, separate yourself from the outcome if you even do? Yeah, it's an amazing question. <laughs> um, and something that I think I'm still working on. I think I've gotten pretty good at surrendering to the outcomes of my business. And and I think kind of where that has come from, and also just this whole concept of surrendering is that if I just 
do my best and I work as hard as I can without obviously killing myself. Still make time for myself, but work as hard as I can, like a normal person. And, um, whatever happens after that is completely out of my control. And I think it takes a lot of practice. I think sometimes for me, it was almost like I heard that I heard, Oh, you should surrender. You should kind of give up control. And it made total logical sense to me. I was like, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense but then why can't I do it? And I think what I realized for myself is that I needed to practice it every day. I needed to work with coaches. I needed to journal about it. I needed to think about it as I was meditating and make it this almost daily or at the very least weekly practice where I started to just work on that surrender muscle um, and make that almost a part of my identity. Because what I found was that if I just thought about it every once in a while, or kind of just thought about it when I heard it from someone else, then it wasn't something that stuck. Um, I went to a conference recently and, and Brendan Burchard was speaking and he he mentioned something along the lines of what are the three words that your highest self, your ideal self embodies? Like, who is this person? What three words do they have? And it took a long time to think of what my three words are. And then he kind of had us compare, are we living up to those three words on a scale of one to 10? Where are you at in this moment right now? And um, and then I, he told us to set an alarm on our phone for 10 a.m. every day. It actually might go off <laughs> in uh, 30 minutes here somewhere in my house and, um, and set the alarm with those three words in the alarm so that you see it every day and you can ask yourself, am I in this moment living up to these three words? And my words were loving, colorful colorful in the sense of just being vibrant, being, being my full self. Um, and then surrender. Am I surrendering in this moment? Am I kind of doing what I can to relinquish control or am I grasping onto something that is bringing me pain or anxiety? And having that as a daily reminder has been really helpful too, because even just looking at my phone and thinking, how am I doing with these three words? And, and especially with surrendering, because I know that my highest self would surrender in this moment. Um, that has been so helpful. So I think practicing as simple as it sounds and making it part of that that daily routine that you have has been really helpful for me. But I, I do think it it takes time and and it can be really tough. I think it was easier for me to surrender in my business and it's harder for me to surrender in other aspects of my life. Like with my personal relationships, it's tougher there. So I think for other people too, there's probably different areas where you're like, oh, I actually kick ass at surrendering in, in this area, but it's actually really hard for me to surrender here. And maybe that's where more work and more effort needs to be funneled into to really heal those parts of, of um, that area of, of life and and working more there. Well, and speaking about what you're saying that it's easier in your business and harder in your personal life, I would love to kind of probe that idea more because I'm right now going through my second launch of my course and it's not doing nearly as well as my first one. And so Carly's been hearing it. My husband's been hearing it. I mean, anyone that will listen to me is hearing me say the same thing over and over, but how do you, or how have you learned to not place your self, self-worth in those numbers financially. You know, we are in the game. You are and Carly with, and I with this podcast and me with the yoga community of giving away so much of ourselves for free. You give so much effort and time and you're 
personally developing yourself so that you can continue to give to your audience. And then when it comes time to put a price behind your name and to see so many people enjoy the free stuff and then not see the conversions, you know, this is like my second time of putting a price tag on my name. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have all these expectations like, oh, it's going to do X, Y, Z as far as um, results wise. You know, how have you gone through as a business owner? And of course, it's all tied into your personal life too. But how have you honed that ability to kind to not place your self-worth in those numbers of who chooses to support you financially and who doesn't and like kind of not build up a little bit of a grudge towards the whole situation? You know, you give, give, give. And it's like, Mm-hmm. When is it time for you to receive on the other end? Um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you have to share with us on that? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And it's tough. It's tough, like you said, because especially when you're giving so much for free and you're like, why aren't you guys grateful? Like, why can't you kind of compensate me in this way? I'm just asking for this one thing, this one time um, after giving so much. And it can be painful when... Um, you feel like maybe your worth is attached to that number in some way or your identity or or who you are. If people don't buy it, then it kind of almost means that they they don't want you in a sense. Um, and, and I try to see it as like, there's so many reasons why somebody wouldn't buy. Maybe it's the time of the year. Maybe they're traveling. Maybe they bought your course originally and now uh, it's just natural that you would get less sales because you already have students in it. Or maybe they don't have the money right now for whatever reason. I know there's so many different reasons, so it's tough. And I'm sure you've thought of all of them too. Um, so it's tough to really like come to that conclusion of what happened. Um, one quick thing that I do, if that does happen during a launch is I send out a little survey during the launch, asking them why they didn't buy. And what I've found in those instances is it's usually attached to money where, um, their own self-worth or their own, um, security is attached to their, their bank account. And as much as they want to support you, they don't have the money. So sometimes I'll even offer an extended payment plan to make it a little bit easier for people to pay for that. And then found that sales increased a lot. Um, but something else for me, just in terms of attaching my self-worth to a particular thing in my life, like my business or my partner, or my friends, or my health, um, is that I, I have this almost personality where I want to go all in on something and really just like love the crap out of it or work really hard on it and just be all in on that thing. And what I found is that when I do that, if that thing goes away or if that thing has a launch that didn't turn out the way I wanted to, basically if my expectations aren't met in some way, then it doesn't feel logically like, oh, well, uh, people just don't have the money right now or, oh, this person is just busy right now. They couldn't like call me back or something. Um, the, like the logic goes out the window and I just start feeling like maybe it's me or, um, my self-worth kind of crashes. And so what has helped me is really building out these different areas of my life and, and not having my worth be attached to any one thing. Um, and focusing a lot on like what would make me happy versus what would make this person happy or what would be good for my business. But how can I build this really well-rounded, um, healthy life of just fun and joy? And then 
if the launch goes well, then it's like the icing on top. And obviously if it's, it's a point where, um, like someone needs to make money, like they're on their last dollar, then that's a little bit different. And and I can definitely see how, um, that would be kind of a scary place to be in. But, um, I think for most of us, when we've got our business or we've got our partner or something, just trying to focus on all of those different areas. And, um, so that when one drops, there's still all these others to kind of take care of it, if that makes sense, versus putting everything into one thing and then seeing it fall and, and it being just really crushing. So I don't know if that helps at all. <laughs> that has helped me. Um, but I know it's really tough when, when things like that happen, especially in a business. Yeah. I mean, it's a metaphor for everything though. How many times do we say, don't put all your eggs in one basket? And it's true because there's so many components that make our lives wonderful and it can be really hard when we're focused on one thing, but, um, we kind of have the blinders up. Um, but I think it's important for our overall joy and our overall happiness to, um, think about those other things that are just as important. And Melissa, you mentioned something that I just wanted to touch on quickly about when you're talking about surrender and you were saying how, um, sometimes it's easier to do in terms of your business and not so much in terms of your personal life. And I think it's so true. Um, I, we both just recently read the book year of yes by Shonda Rhimes. And it was like a really fun read. And in it, she's talking about, um, her health kick and, and get, get becoming more healthier. And uh, she talks about taking control and how when she's at work, and I just think this is so true, um, you're able to delegate, you're able to take control, you're able to let go of things because it's it's another world, right? There's a shield up because it's business. But as soon as it's personal, the shield is dropped and you're basically just forced to face yourself in the mirror. And I think that's when things get really, really real. And the crazy part is the intertwining of them all. And maybe, Ali, that's kind of what you're going through right now. Like, I can face these things in my business, but I'm having this struggle in my personal life. And where do they all come together? And um, so, gosh, it's just complicated. And being alive is confusing. But for you, Melissa... (laughs) (laughs) with everything you do and everything you work on. I know um, you have a lot to what you put out into the world. Um, Allie and I have been really focused on the idea of creativity and tapping into our creativity. And so we both want to know how do you continue to sort of stroke your creative fire and stay connected to it um, while at the same time, not allowing fear or doubt to sort of take over. I mean, I know they coexist in the same space, um, but how do you keep your creative fires lit? And do you ever kind of feel like you're just a dead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt that way where it was like, I just felt stagnant and bored and and kind of like crippled in terms of which way to move and and how to be more creative in my business. And I think it's kind of a, a similar concept where for me, it's like, if I'm not feeling creative in my business, it means I need to like do some creative random stuff in my life. And so 
I'm, I'm lucky that my boyfriend is also just kind of loves doing creative random stuff too. So we'll do things like go to a flea market and buy a bunch of random patches and then go to a thrift store and like buy a jean jacket and then iron them on onto that or like go to an art store and just get a canvas and like paint it or um, save some random materials that we got from things that we bought and then use those to make some sort of mixed media thing. Um, and, and really not being attached to the outcome or what it looks like or how it turns out, but really just making it more about the process and having fun with it and picking out the patches and then iron them on. Even if you really don't like what the jacket ends up looking like, but you're like, this is a really fun process. And I felt creative, um, as I was doing it and, and picking all these things out. So I think those types of things where, I can just kind of be a kid and just have fun have, have been really healing for me too, especially translating that then to my business and using that as a way to kind of release a little bit of control from how things turn out because it's tough for me too, because I started as a designer and now I have a designer who works in my business and she designs everything. And sometimes I just want to be like, I want this to be slightly different and like this letter to be moved over, like a uh, half a whatever pixel <laughs> um, and be almost neurotic about it because it's, it's a passion of mine too, but using that also as a way to just give up control and like see the beauty and the creativity in something without it needing to be my exact perfect vision. And then, and seeing that kind of imperfect thing as being this amazing, beautiful, perfect thing. Um, so that has all helped just kind of focusing on all these other fun areas, um, of being kind of childlike. One other thing for me too, is that I really like fashion and style. I have a lot of fun with that, but I've noticed at times that sometimes my style can be, um, almost like too trendy where I buy things because I, I really like the way they look, but it, maybe is kind of similar to what other people wear too and challenging myself to buy and wear things that maybe are a little bit off the grid, but that I really like. And it's almost like working through this mentality sometimes of, wait, do I like that? Or am I just buying it? Cause it's weird. Or is this thing that I really like, should I not get it? Because <laughs> I know that it's like on trend right now and really trying to work through these layers of like social conditioning in a way. It's like this, it's almost this, um, fun project of trying to figure out what my real identity is. Um, but using that too, and just kind of like wearing things just because they make me feel fun and happy and they like spin around really cool or like they have a cool color <laughs> and being okay with that. Um, that's been a fun exercise in creativity too. And also just figuring out more of my own identity also. Well, and it's interesting what you say, because I think I read it in Big Magic that Einstein, when he was trying to solve a huge problem, he would walk away from the chalkboard and play on his violin, which is called combinatory, combinatory play, where you do something different, but that's still creative and you're moving and you're working through stuff. So you putting random patches on vintage clothing and, you know, messing up an empty canvas, I'm sure just immediately opens up the airwaves that felt crippled and stuck. And I mean, we all know that it's just actually doing that. So mm -hmm. the fact that you're going out and doing that means a lot. And I think we can definitely take note of that. 
Um, one thing I want to ask you is we are obviously in this age of digital media, um, going through every single facet of our lives. We're really exposed right now. How do you stay focused and not get distracted when you're trying to get into that flow? Um, Carly and I both talk about the flow all the time and how getting into the flow is really difficult. But once you're there, it's like magic. And if you quit when you're on the way to entering into the flow, you have to start all over again. And it could be a really grueling process. And then you sometimes give up, right? So how do you, you know, remove the distractions or at least dim them down and stay focused on your business? Mm. I think for me, it's kind of like listening to what I feel like I need. Sometimes I need to be around people in order to be my most productive self. I need to go to a coffee shop or I need to invite some friends over so we can co-work together. And sometimes it's that I need to work in a different room that isn't so messy (laughs) Um, or clean my house and really in turn also clean my mental space. Um, that has been helpful. It's just been kind of listening to what does my environment need right now and how is it not getting that? How am I not getting that kind of environment at this moment? And then um, I also sometimes just, just kind of a technical thing. I do Pomodoros. So Pomodoro is when you spend 25 minutes doing a task and you don't have Facebook open. You don't like accidentally scroll through Instagram. It's like you only do that task and then you have a five minute break to kind of do whatever you want. But usually it's best to like get a glass of water, go for a quick walk or do something that's going to be productive and and helpful for you. Um, And then you do 25 more minutes of just straight work on whatever big priority you need to be working on. And then a five minute break again, you kind of keep doing that and you could take some longer breaks in between. Also, if you want to do something else, exercise, go get food. Um, but having that as almost this commitment to myself, like, Hey, you really need to be working at this time and it's non-negotiable has been helpful. Um, because otherwise I feel like I get into kind of a flow, like you were talking about. And then it's like, Oh, but I want to just check and see how's that Instagram photo doing. And then all of a sudden you're like out of the flow again. And, um, so that, that has been really helpful. And I also think there's an element of it where it's like to get into the flow, you just have to, to do it. And I think initially, especially when I started my business, it would be really tough for me. And I just thought I must just be a really unproductive person. Like I'm just an unmotivated person and everyone else is kicking ass and I suck at this. And, um, and what I found is that it doesn't really come like the motivation doesn't really come randomly. Um, you're not just struck by inspiration. Sometimes you are, but waiting for those moments can be dangerous because they don't come very often. And what helps me is just getting into that state of, okay, I have to sit down and do this thing, even if I really, really, really don't want to, or I'm really unmotivated and I'd way rather just take a nap or watch a show or something um, and just doing it. And once I start getting into it and I do like one of the Pomodoros, then eventually I start to feel like, okay, this is actually not too bad. And okay, I'm actually starting to get into the flow state here. I'm starting to have fun. And um and then it just becomes natural, but it's definitely a process and a struggle sometimes. And I think just forcing myself to do it, it has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I mean, 
I love the 25-5, 25-5 break. I think that's really good advice and something um, really tangible that our listeners can take away from that and something that I will be taking away too. But um, <laughs> you talk about motivation and, and your own motivation and yourself. I want to know who motivates you and who are you inspired by, not only in the world of um, business, but also uh, maybe in personal life, personal development. And yeah, who are some of the people that you look up to? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people that really inspire me. Some of them are Glennon Doyle Melton, or maybe she goes by Glennon Doyle now, but I love how she she's an author and I just love how vulnerable she is and how connected she is. Her Her community is so important to her and it's very much about us versus her. And, and I love how she models that. Um, she's also really funny and a great writer. Um, I also love Natalie McNeil. She's just such a sweet person and you can feel this like love rating, radiating out of everything that she does. And I think she always comes from a really genuine, kind hearted place. So I love her for all of that too. Um, I also love Danielle Laporte and how she speaks up for a lot of social issues and is just never silent about things that are really important. And and I know that I want to do even more of that too and have in the past, but just the way that she does it is really consistent and um, and really inspiring. So I love her for that too. Um, and I, I love Lewis House too. He's one of my coaches. I'm in his mastermind and he is like one of the most driven, hardworking people that I have ever met and just always has this really clear vision for his life and how he wants to help other people and give back. And um, every time I, I see him or hang out with him, I'm just like, I feel like, yes, I can do anything in the world. Um, and um, and I think he just radiates that for other people too and really is an inspiring person who who loves just like bringing people together too. So those are some of my my biggest inspirations, just people who I really, really admire and and look up to in so many ways. We are totally right there with you. At one point, Carly and I had to have a conversation about how we have to <laughs> stop name-dropping Glennon because it was like every episode we were dropping some truth bomb from her and we're like, okay, we need some like new material, someone else to share. So we are totally- She's just so good. She's so good. I mean, we're tagging each other in all of her Instagram posts and she's just such a bright light. Um, She totally is. So if you can share with us, what are some projects that are on the horizon for you? What are you excited about to bring to your community? And maybe what are you excited about in your personal life? Like, do you have any cool trips coming up? I know you're partnering with nonprofits and doing more of that type of work. So anything you want to share with us that you're excited about in the future? Yeah. So let's see. I'm excited because we have recently decided to start doing more in-person stuff. Um, A lot of what I've done, pretty much everything I've done so far has been online. And earlier this year, I I even closed my Facebook group, free Facebook group that had tens of thousands of people in it because in my mind, I was thinking like, this isn't the kind of community I want to build. I really want to build this really tight knit, deep community of people in person and put 
all of my energy into that. So I'm excited for 2018 because we'll do some big events and really bring people together and help them heal and help them grow their own businesses too. So I can't wait for that. Um, I'm also starting my own mastermind. So this is a new venture for me, but I've been part of a few amazing masterminds and I feel ready to, to uh, host my own. So we're doing our first retreat in November and I am so excited for just the people who are in it so far and um, the kind of breakthroughs that I, I think will end up happening inside of a group like that. And then in terms of travel, I feel like this year I've traveled a lot. I, um, I've traveled a lot for work primarily way more than I ever have before. And it's been really fun. Um, but also traveling like a couple, every couple weeks has been kind of like, stressful, I guess, not stressful, but almost like I would love to just be at home a little bit more too. So I do have a couple of trips, one to New York and one to Portland coming up in the next month. Um, one for business and one for just going not for fun. Um, I'm excited for both of those. But then after that, I'm pretty excited to just kind of hang out at my house too, and just chill and work on my routines and play with my cute dog who has been really supportive in all of this, but I feel bad for him sometimes that I'm always gone. Um, so yeah, I think just kind of making more space for, um, just being and not, not worrying about traveling anywhere or, or doing anything and, um, yeah, spending time with the little fluffer. (laughs) <laughs> animals make everything better so oh they do hundred percent agree well I was gonna ask you how you plan to live your truth and dare to change but I mean I feel like you've already told us pretty much um one last thing that I wanted to just see if you could touch on really quick is um if you had any recommendations you know service is a huge part of what you're advocating for. It's a a huge uh, passion of mine. I've, like Ali said, I've worked in nonprofits for um, many years. And if you have any advice for people who kind of want to get involved in, in working with nonprofits, as far as um, from a business standpoint um, and what, how that work has sort of changed you and how you see yourself Um, if you see yourself doing more humanitarian work in the future? Yeah, I would absolutely love to. One of my my big business goals is to be able to start a foundation one day. And um, so really wanting to work more with nonprofits and and giving back too. So I actually just came back about a month ago from Ghana because the fundraiser that we did earlier this year, we were able to raise money to build three schools in Ghana and I went over there to see one of the schools that's currently in progress and meet the community and really see how the organization is giving back. So it's it's something that um, has changed me personally, just being able to give back and and then to see the effects that that has on other people in completely different parts of the world um, has been just really transformative for me. And I think for anyone who wants to give back, because before we did that fundraiser, I was kind of lost on the subject too. I thought, do I just go on their website and donate money? Or Mm -hmm. is there a way to work with them to kind of see what suggestions they might have? And the way that I did it is I reached out to the organization that I was interested in. It's called Pencils of Promise. And they have a whole kind of fundraising campaign team 
to, or at least one person who, who helps with that kind of stuff for people who want to do fundraisers or want to donate money. And they were really helpful in helping me set up kind of the messaging and helping me find platforms that I could use to raise money and sort of walking me through the process. So I think if there's an organization that you listening are interested in helping, definitely just get in touch with them, send them an email or send them a tweet and, and find somebody that you can talk to and tell them what ideas you have. Maybe it's a fundraiser with your community, or maybe it's an online fundraiser where maybe you give something to people who donate and then you give all of the revenue to the charity or whatever kind of idea you have, they can help you iron it out and turn it into this really powerful um, campaign that you can use to give back to that organization. And if you're stuck on the types of organizations, or if you don't know what organization to donate to, um, well, first of all, I'm sure that Carly could give you some amazing pointers there. But for me, I kind of looked at what are some of the organizations that I saw other people in my space fundraising for, because to me that signaled that maybe they'd be familiar with the type of business that I have and could help me craft something that would be, that would work for what I had to um, kind of give away. And, and maybe they're kind of used to working with online communities and um, people who do what I do. And then also, I just loved their mission of education. I used to be a teacher. So that was something that was really special to me. So finding something that maybe works in your space and then also an organization that's giving back to something that is meaningful to you. Well, thank you so much. And I know that will be helpful for us when we are on the boat and kind of working through those humanitarian services while we're sailing and helping people who are victims of the many hurricanes that have happened so far. So Melissa, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and everything you've shared with us and coming on here and sharing a lot of truths and how you've dared to change through the many different layers of, you know, your journey of becoming who you are today. So thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Tad Tribe, now you know why I love this woman and why she is my girl crush. I so hope that you feel the same way after you tuned in to our conscious conversation where three women came together to share vulnerably about how we choose to live our truth and dare to change and what that means behind the scenes and how we're doing it on every level professional and personal. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. You can sign up for the weekly newsletter to grab the journal prompt that will help you dive deeper into today's conversation, as well as learn more about Melissa over on the show notes, read all of the blog posts, find the tools and resources and everything else that we cover here. You can find that over at truthanddaremovement.com. And as always, thank you for joining us, inviting us into your earbuds and living your truth and daring to change right alongside us. We'll catch you next week. Bye.